marble machine. Hi, folks. Uh, I mean, listeners, of course. Sorry. That was weird. Mr. Pitterit, our landlord, just said hello to me. He shook my hand and simply said, Good luck. That was it. I have no idea what to make of it, listeners. I know I said I would talk to him and ask him about the secret that the marble machine mentioned, but today just wasn't the right day. Forgive me, listeners. Lately, I haven't been feeling like myself. I've been dealing with a little fever, but I don't think it's a flu or a virus. I've been having nightmares again. Tim and the marble machine told me not to worry, but I saw it on Tim's face that even he was worrying. I can't help but think that these symptoms are part of the dangers that the marble machine mentioned in the last episode. And during the day, Tim and I have been catching a lot more evil and treacherous ideas than usual. There are always some, but the amount of malicious ideas in the past few weeks is out of the ordinary. On top of that, something is happening to me during the nights when I sleep next to the machine. I just haven't quite figured out what. Anyway, I just came from the pharmacy to get something against my unbearable headache. Well, let's see what Tim and the marble machine are doing, shall we? What's this? The door has never been locked before. Tim? Tim! Why should I stay away? What's going on in there? Tim? Oh my god, Tim! Talk to me! The door just opened, listeners. Tim? Are you okay? Can I come in? Come in already. And stop being such a coward. What? Listeners, did you hear that? I am opening the door now. <laughs> What's going on here? There's a layer of dark fog in the attic and <coughs> I can't see anything. Wait, something just moved in the corner where the marble machine... <coughs> the smoke is clearing, listeners, and there is... Oh my god, there's Tim lying next to the marble machine and... And there's someone else in here. He, he looks like... He looks like... Come on. Say it. Listeners, he, he looks like me, only that he's dressed in a strange black cloak, and his face is as pale as the moon. Oh, oh, oh. Listeners, something's happening to this other me. He's changing shape, and now he looks like... like some sort of medieval jester. Imbecile. All jesters are just wont to be images of me. This is my dream. Loki's dream. And soon it will be much more than just a dream. Loki? Who's Loki? I am Loki. Loki, Lysmith. Loki, son of Laufey. Loki the shapeshifter, father of Fenris Wolf, the Midgard Serpent and the Goddess of the Dead. 
I am all your evil thoughts and all your cunning ideas. I don't mean to be rude, Mr. Loki, but how did you get in here? A and why? And most importantly, what did you do to Tim? Let me show you why I am here. Don't! Listeners, this Loki guy just touched the marble machine and a marble dropped. Eat it. <laughs> Go on. Eat it. I, I... No. I don't think I want to eat this one, thank you. Can you just wake Tim up and, and leave, please? You want me to leave? Then eat the marble. But, but I... Eat it! Yes. <clears throat> all right, all right. Okay, listeners, uh, I am about to eat Loki's marble. I'm guessing it might not be suitable for younger children. It is not suitable for any living being. <laughs> it tells my story, you hear me? The story of how I, Loki, son of Laufi, bring the downfall of all living creatures. This isn't just a story. This is the dark ending to all stories. I just want this to go away. Eat, mortal. It was nice knowing you, listeners. I hope this is the right decision. Loki's Dream. Written and narrated by Jacob Graff. Recorded and edited by Tim Höfer. The third and the twenty-second time his wife went to empty the bowl full of poison that day, she had taken longer than usual. Loki, son of Laufi, blood brother to Odin, and most mischievous of all the gods of the Aesir, kept track of these things as he lay on the wet rock, bound in shackles, in a cave deep under the earth. One might argue whether Loki really is a god. Technically, he's the son of a giant called Farbauti, and a woman called Laufi, who might have been a goddess, but no one really knows. Many years ago, the gods chased Loki out of Asgard, and he hid from them at the bottom of a lake in the shape of a salmon. When they finally caught him, they punished him and brought him to a cave where he would remain imprisoned until the end of times. The reason for his punishment was probably an accumulation of Loki's actions, all of which were full of malice and self-centered intentions. But the straw that absolutely broke the camel's back was his latest and perhaps most provoking insult to the gods. Loki had plotted and executed a scheme that resulted in the death of Baldr, the most beautiful god of the Aesir. But that's a different story. Just this much. Loki made Baldr's blind brother kill his beautiful sibling. For this, the gods took two of Loki's sons, and before his eyes they turned one of them into a bloodthirsty wolf, who then slew and devoured the other. From the entrails of his dead son, the gods then forged the unbreakable shackles that still bind Loki to this day. Seeing Loki locked up in the cave, the gods were finally satisfied and were just about to leave him to his destiny when a giantess came along. 
she also had a huge grudge against Loki and brought a giant snake to the party that she tied to the rocks above Loki from where it constantly drooled burning venom on his face. Luckily for Loki, his wife loved him so much that she kept him company and patiently caught the snake's venom in a bowl. But whenever the bowl was full and she had to empty it, a drop of the snake's poison would fall on her husband's head. Three drops, three on the third, and now three on the twenty-second time that you emptied the bowl. Do you not care if your husband suffers? Shut up, dear, Loki's wife said. Or I'll leave. Loki said nothing. Instead, he did what he always did since he had been brought to the cave. He thought of a way to escape. Loki was a shapeshifter, but no matter what form and shape he took on, the shackles just transformed with him and kept him trapped. Sometimes he writhed and pulled at his shackles so hard that the ground shook, and some say that all earthquakes are a direct result of Loki struggling in his cave. But Loki wouldn't be Loki if he were to run out of ideas quickly. Mostly he made his imprisonment bearable by playing little games of the mind. His favorite occupation was telling his wife about how he would take revenge on the gods once he was free. On some days she would have to listen to these vengeful thoughts from sunrise to sundown. In his captivity, Loki had studied his own mind and what it was capable of, and realized that although his body was trapped, his mind, his imagination, his spirit could still wander about as free as ever. This would work especially well when he slept, and soon Loki became a master at controlling his dreams. Not only could he travel within them to wherever he wanted to go, but Loki also learned to manifest himself in the dreams of others. Planting evil thoughts or malicious ideas and manipulating the minds of the innocent sleepers of Midgard, our world, the world of women and men, soon became his favorite hobby. Nothing brought him more joy than to inject bad intentions into our minds or give us nightmares. But these simple manipulations were enough to keep him busy. Loki could never get enough, and sometimes his greedy nature of always wanting to top his last prank got Loki into a lot of trouble. One night, when he was once again suppressing the reality of imprisonment and escaping into the wonderful world of dreams, Loki decided to climb Yggdrasil. The giant ash tree is the first of all trees. Its branches and roots connect the worlds, and it will still stand when the end of all things is upon us. Loki climbed away, enjoying his freedom and thinking about what mischief he might be up to tonight, when suddenly he saw an octopus on one of the tree's branches. Loki knew that there were beings that lived in the world tree, but he had never heard of an octopus before. Creature of the sea. What are you doing here? Swimming. But there is no water. Sh -sh I know that. The tree doesn't. But how are you not suffocating? The octopus waved one of its eight arms in a gesture for Loki to come and sit next to it. Maybe I don't suffocate because the air around me doesn't know it's not water. Pardon me? Loki asked and sat himself next to the octopus. The octopus stretched its limbs, yawned and shapeshifted into a little old man with a beard and glasses. 
I can be anything I want to be. The octopus is not my real form. Loki scoffed and transformed into a falcon. I too can shapeshift. But if I were to change into a salmon up here in the branchwork of Yggdrasil, I would most certainly die. Why so? Because fish live in water, do they not? I see. You are merely a shapeshifter that can alter his own shape, but not the world around you. Well, I guess everybody has to start somewhere. How? Loki asked, half fascinated, half jealous. After all, Loki was known to be one of the most skilled shapeshifters in all the Nine Worlds. Easy. I shapeshift my close surroundings with me. When I become an octopus, the branch I sit on no longer thinks it's a branch, but a coral, and the air around me thinks it's water. Impossible. Oh, quite the contrary. The little old man transformed into a goldfish and swam from one branch to the next, as if it were swimming in water. Loki was completely mind-blown. If he could manipulate and shapeshift the world around him in this way, he could not only manipulate people to do certain things, but he could change the reality of the world in which he lived. He could make the cave believe it's not a cave, and the shackles he was imprisoned in believe they were fragile stems of plants. Not only that, Loki corrected himself, he could convince the world that he was a mightier being than all the gods combined. It would mean that all his fantasies of revenge could come true, and that his children could kill all the gods and all the giants that didn't want to be on his side. He could create a new world, a world of chaos and trickery, in which the children of Midgard were all his slaves. The possibilities were endless, and as the goldfish transformed back into the little old man, he saw the gleam and sparkle in Loki's eyes. How does it work? Loki finally asked. Teach me how to change the world. All I know about changing the world I found in a marble, the little man said and shrugged his shoulders. A marble? Why, yes, a marble that I once had to eat. The old man shapeshifted into a small black marble. A marble that looks exactly like this. Is that just a copy of the marble, or is it the exact marble you had to eat to gain the wisdom of world shifting? Well, well I wouldn't know. Maybe if someone were to eat me in the shape that I'm in now... Uh... But Loki didn't wait for the marble to finish talking. He took it and swallowed it whole. Inside his stomach, the marble chuckled, for it was exactly what it had intended for Loki to do. Moments after Loki had swallowed the marble, he woke up in an unfamiliar surrounding. It was a living room of the sort he knew only from the men and women of Midgard. A tall, haggard man with a beard sat in an armchair in front of him, smoking a pipe. Oh, this is my true form. The bearded man that had just been the octopus and the talking marble said, I had no intention of coming here. What is this place? Why, this is nowhere and everywhere. Just a room in the universe of ideas. Who are you? My name is Mr. Piderit. I am one of the janitors. What does that mean? Janitor of what? 
Well, it means that I live and work here, and mostly I deal with people like you. I have been watching you for a long time. And yes, I tricked you to bring you here. My people respect you very much because we like to trick and to deceive and you are the king of trickery and deceiving. Loki was furious. If he hated anything more than being trapped in that wretched cave, it was being tricked into something he didn't want to do. That was not how things went. He was after all Loki, son of Laufey. It was him who did the tricking. What do you want from me? And what do you mean? Well, my people are from the mounds across the Western Sea. An elf. You do not look like you are from Alfheim. I would say you were a dwarf. But you are too slim and too tall to be a dwarf. Believe me or not, I am part elf, yes. But not a mortal, just a slow ager. My mother's family is from there. My father was a child of Midgard. Mr. Pidrit sat back and smoked his pipe. An outcast, so to say, but I have arranged myself with this life of solitude. You still don't look like a light elf. Well, that is why I was cast away from my mother's land and placed here. To do what? Well, as I said, I am a janitor, and like a janitor keeps a set of houses in balance and repairs what isn't intact, I keep the flow of ideas intact. I keep it in balance for the children, women, and men of this world. In a movement so subtle and so quick that Mr. Pidrit didn't even find time to blink, Loki pulled out a dagger and cut the skin on Mr. Pidrit's cheek. A drop of blood trickled down toward his beard, but Loki caught it with his finger. He licked the blood and smiled. Elven blood, indeed. That means you cannot lie. Why, indeed. Which means that it is true when I say, I can help you change the world. Loki knew now that the man couldn't be trusted, but he also knew that anyone with elven blood in their veins was by spirit law unable to tell a lie. They could trick and deceive, but never lie. Show me. Well, there will be a man coming soon, he will enter the house and walk up the staircase all the way up to the attic. In the attic, there is a machine that transforms ideas into stories. There is another man in the attic who can speak with the machine. Go to the attic, think of what you would like the world to be like, then touch the machine and it will spit out a marble that contains your story. If you can make the man that is about to enter the house eat your marble, the world will change. Loki wanted to think about Mr. Pidrit's words, to see if he could detect some sort of trickery. But he got distracted as he heard a key turn in the door. That's him. Loki closed his eyes, and in a fraction of a second, he was up in the attic. It was the first time that Mr. Pidrit interrupted Jacob on the way up to the attic. He stopped him and shook his hand. Good luck was all he said. Um, um, Jacob said and walked up the stairs. Loki took a deep breath, and when he exhaled, he filled the attic with a black fog through which only he could see. Tim tried to fight off the intruder, 
and managed to stagger to the door and lock it as he heard his friend coming up the stairs, but he was knocked unconscious by the hilt of Loki's dagger before he could defend himself. Patiently, the god of lies and trickery sat next to the marble machine and waited. And what happened next, listeners, we already know. But what Loki didn't know was that the story Loki's dream was also the story of how Mr. Pidrid had tricked the god of lies. By letting Jacob eat his marble, Loki's evil vision of the future was turned into a simple story that the machine had digested and spread across the world. Instead of Loki's dream becoming a reality, it became a harmless story. And as this story ends, a mysterious wind brought about by the marble machine, will clear the attic of Loki's fog and suck the god of lies out of reality. No, no, no! Damn you, Pitterit! You will pay for this! You will all... Welcome back, listeners. I think the marble machine just sucked Loki into its belly. Is he... Is he gone? Oh, Jesus, Tim, don't ever creep up on me like this again. But thank God you're here. I was worried this Loki guy killed you or... You are? Tim says he's proud of me. He says I shouldn't get too overconfident, but that through eating Loki's marble, I have not only saved him and the marble machine, but did something quite heroic. The world might have been manipulated by Loki if I hadn't eaten the marble. Really? Little old me? Saving the world? <laughs> Tim says that we all heard the end of the story. By eating the marble, I turned Loki's wish of an evil reality into a harmless story. Loki is back under the earth in his cave and can't enter our dreams anymore. Well, listeners, I am so glad to hear that and a little proud that I played a part in this. Tim says if I would not have eaten it, who knows in whose thoughts Loki might have manifested himself. He might have had the power to start a Loki cult with terrible consequences. I don't mean to brag, but how about you go on our Patreon page? patreon.com slash themarblemachine and become a patron of the podcast who saved the world. Who doesn't want to support the savior of mankind and... Right, sorry. I got a little carried away. But what a story, right, listeners? And now I guess I don't have to ask Mr. Pidrit what his secret is. I mean, who would have guessed? Our landlord, an elf man, or man-elf. Who would have thought? Definitely the first idea janitor I've ever met. And no wonder he doesn't want anything to do with the attic and the marble machine. I bet, like all other janitors, he has a lot on his hands already and just gets real grumpy if there's any extra work to do. Anyway, any help is always welcome, listeners. So be sure to check out our website, themarblemachine.com, for further infos and behind-the-scenes stuff like collecting our secret mini-marbles. They're so cute! As always, hear you soon, and remember, the next marble will drop. <laughs>